And if we do not find a solution to this avalanche of money, uh, it's going to bury our democracy. So it is vitally important that Californians instruct their California legislators that we need an amendment. And that's what this does. Welcome back to Upvote California, a podcast for California voters. This episode is part of our 2016 California Proposition Series, where we focus on each proposition on the ballot and bring on experts to discuss both sides of the issue. I'm your host, Brian Atwood. Today's episode is about Proposition 59, the overturn of Citizens United Act advisory question, which would encourage the state's elected officials to overturn the Citizens United Supreme Court decision. This episode is a little different in that we're only able to get one guest. We have Michelle Sutter from Money Out Voters In to give us a background on Citizens United and talk about these supporting arguments. Since there are very few public opponents of Prop 59, I'll be doing my best to represent the opposing arguments, which I've taken from several newspaper editorials. But first, we start each episode with a brief summary and some key facts. In 2010, the Supreme Court decided in Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission case that the government could not limit corporations and labor unions from spending money to influence voters. Proposition 59 would ask California's elected officials to use their power, including a possible new constitutional amendment, to reverse this decision and limit political campaign spending. Supporters say vote yes on Prop 59 as we need to send a message to Washington that corporate money should not be used to influence elections. Opponents say vote no since the measure is non-binding and will not force lawmakers to make any changes. So this proposition doesn't change any laws. It's what's called an advisory measure. It would simply advise our elected officials in California to do everything in their power to overturn Citizens United, including a possible constitutional amendment. Um, In particular, it asks elected officials to reverse Citizens United and allow regulation of spending on political campaigns. It also recommends that lawmakers change it so that corporations do not have the same rights as individuals. So if you're like me, you may not be aware of what the Citizens United decision is all about, but our guest today, Michelle Sutter, gives a very good overview of it. So we'll save that discussion for the interview part. Let's take a quick look at campaign financing. About $280,000 has been raised by various PACs against Citizens United, and no money has been raised against it. So that makes it the proposition with the least amount of campaign money in this election. Uh, The largest contributions were from NextGen California Committee and the California Democratic Party. Let's turn over now to our interview with our first guests on the supporting arguments behind Proposition 59. Today on Upvote California, we are joined by Michelle Sutter to talk to us about the supporting side for Proposition 59. Michelle is a co-founder of Money Out Voters In, an organization devoted to getting a 28th Amendment to regulate money in politics and address corporate constitutional rights. She is also one of the authors of the official argument in support of Prop 59, so we are very fortunate to have her on the podcast today. Thank you for joining Upvote California, Michelle. Thanks, Brian. Delighted to be here. Um, Can you start off by briefly explaining Proposition 59 to our listeners and why it is important for Californians to vote yes? Sure. So Prop 59 is uh, a voter instruction measure. And what that means is Californians have a 
constitutionally guaranteed right to instruct their representative to take a particular action. Um, the last time that we used this in an Article 5 uh, question, which is what this is, Article 5, meaning Article 5 of the Constitution, which allows us uh, two methods to create an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So the last time that we did that was in 1892, and the question was, uh, should we directly elect our U.S. senators or allow them to continue to be appointed by the rich and powerful? And Californians overwhelmingly supported that ballot measure with 92% of the popular vote. And it did ultimately lead to the 17th Amendment. And we all know that now we directly elect our U.S. senators. Um, we have to act in this way again because we have um, a colossal problem with uh, money in politics and corporations claiming constitutional rights. And if we do not find a solution to this avalanche of money, uh, it's going to bury our democracy. So it is vitally important that Californians instruct their California legislators to ratify and their California Congress members, the 53 members of the California congressional uh, delegation, that we need an amendment. And that's what this does. You know, California has the capacity, Brian, to change conversations in the United States of America. And we do this all the time. Um, and we need to do it again now. Mm -hmm. So this proposition is, is saying we want our um, California elected representatives to use their power to get an amendment to sort of overturn the Citizens United ruling. So um, before we kind of get into the, the details of, of that process, um, can we talk about the Citizens United ruling it, itself, where the Supreme sure. Court gave corporations the same rights as individuals? So I, I hear this phrase a lot, and I'm actually not kind of sure what the details of that are. Like, what does that mean? Right. And and how right. does how does that how did Citizens United affect campaign financing? And what are some other effects of granting those rights that we've seen? Okay. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start with the Citizens United ruling itself, which came in uh, 2010, was when uh, the court released that 5-4 decision. And it was really the culmination of 40 years of uh, uh, of uh, jurisprudence um, decisions that had come from the Supreme Court starting in 1976, which was a ruling called Buckley v. Vallejo. That's the one that actually altered the First Amendment to say that uh, money was the same thing as free speech, and this was a radical idea um, and a nonsensical idea, in my opinion, but... Uh, it began to thread its way through um, subsequent decisions. Um, the next one that clearly impacted this was something called Bilotti v. the Bank of Boston, and that's the one that affirmed that money was the same thing as free speech and then said that corporations had a right to that free speech, um, which, again, in our view, is another nonsensical ruling because when corporations uh, who are, uh, you know, profit motives 
um, oriented, right? All they want to do is affect their bottom lines. When they speak, it's, it's actually advertising, right? Uh, all corporate speech, in our view, is commercial speech. So, um, and there were numerous decisions along the way. And when the Citizens United case came before the court, it was a very simple question. Uh, did this group, who called themselves Citizens United, have the right uh, to show something called Hillary the movie um, that they had created and hoped to air leading up to the 2008 presidential election. They believed that Hillary Clinton would be um, the Democratic Party's nominee, and could they show this movie? So it was a pretty narrow question, um, and I think uh could have been very easily decided in, you know, uh, for the uh, plaintiffs. Yes, sure, you can you can show this movie. But what blew people's minds is that the court, rather than simply um, uh, reach a, a decision uh, and issue an opinion on that question, sent the lawyers for both sides back to their chambers to address this larger issue of can we actually regulate speech, meaning money, at all in, in, in elections. Um, and what they wound up doing was quite stunning because this wasn't the question before them. But what they said was, not only are we reaffirming that money is the same thing as speech and corporations can do it, but we're also going to say that corporations can spend unlimited money from their corporate treasuries in political campaigning. Um, they uh, found a way to say that this was, you know, okay because the people of the United States had a right to hear from these different speakers, these corporate speakers, and that was really something that was going to um, be good for democracy. And they further said that... Um, the, the, the officials, uh, the elected officials who would um, be receiving um, these monies uh, would not uh, be more grateful to these people, that was Antonin Scalia's word, um, than to any other constituent just because they had given them all of this money that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily affect policy. And uh, Anthony Kennedy wrote that there would be uh, not be um, corruption or the appearance of corruption because there would be disclosure. People would know who was speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and as we know, that that hasn't turned out to be the case. We don't, we don't know who's speaking. And here in California, we've been trying to pass the Disclose Act um, for uh, a decade, right? We can't even get simple disclosure of who are the you know top three funders of any ad that that's on the TV that mm -hmm. keeps dying at the at the last possible moment? So we find that we cannot even enact the legislation that the court told us in Citizens United we would be able to enact because the money keeps stopping even those reforms. You may have seen this week that uh, a suit has been filed um, against. Uh, three super PACs, one for Hillary Clinton and two for Donald Trump, because super PACs are uh, something that um, Citizens United and uh, a subsequent case, something called Speech Now in the D.C. Court of Appeals, 
uh, opens the door to these um, super PACs, but the super PACs are supposed to be restricted from coordinating openly with the candidate's campaign. Um, But it happens all the time, and the Federal Election Commission, the SEC, has even said that uh, they are unable to police this. Um, You know, they threw up their hands at what was the open coordination between um, Jeb Bush and his political uh, action uh, committee back in, um, uh, I think it was... March or April when he, you know, when they were obviously very closely coordinating. So we haven't even been able to uh, enforce even the few restrictions that exist. So it's really the wild west out there. Yeah. Um, one other question I wanted to, to quickly ask on Citizens United is that um, currently um, my understanding is that small businesses, unions, churches, um, often contribute to political campaigns or, you know, make political advertisements. Uh, they do that as companies. And I guess with the Citizens United ruling, they're, they're allowed to do that. But um, if we, if we um, pass Prop 59 and that gets overturned, how is that going to affect those particular organizations? Or do you feel that they should be, um, you know, held to the same standards as, as larger corporations? You know, there is a lot to discuss in uh, when one looks at you know, something like a church and political activity, um, and, uh, and, uh, small businesses, you know, certainly the small business owners are, uh, capable of, uh, of, of using their voice, um, in political, uh, in political speech. Um, but, uh, it's worth noting that we will not have an amendment after the vote on November 9th. And the wording uh, of these amendments is um, extremely important. Um, And uh, the big uh, problems that we have to address are the issues of um, the Supreme Court's really perverse mistakes and saying that money is the same thing as Mm -hmm. free speech when it is not, uh, and saying that any corporation has um, a right to any of the uh, um, protections and guarantees that humans have um, as granted by, by the U.S. Constitution. You know, we formed this country um, in response to an oppressive corporation. You may remember the Boston Tea Party, and that was... Uh, because, you know, no taxation without representation was the, was the slogan, and the East India Tea Company um, uh, was, uh, um, you know, overbearing and, and, and worth starting a revolution for. So uh, the, the framers were very aware of corporations, um, and uh, they were smart people, and they were careful and thorough. And if they had believed that corporations needed to have constitutional protections. Uh, they would have written that into the Constitution, but they did not. Um, what corporations have are statutory rights. They have rights and privileges granted by the state. They are a creature of the state. Um, and at the moment, that relationship um, between uh, creator and creation has been uh, inverted. 
um, and it's had a very poisonous effect on our democracy. In, in fact, I don't know if there's a study called the Princeton study that was released in 2014, and it looked at political outcomes from 1982 to 2002, so eight years before Citizens United. And what it discovered is that uh, big money and economic elites get their desired policy outcome in the United States of America 100% of the time, and that we never get ours, mass-based, uh, everyday Americans. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only time that we get um, anything that we want is when it happens to coincide with what big money and corporations want. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not mom and pops and small businesses that we have to fear. It is the giant uh, multinational mega corporations, you know, who are being revealed at this point as criminal enterprises. Look at what's going on in uh, with Wells Fargo. Look what happened with uh, with Volkswagen, um, uh, Southern California Gas, and and Porter Ranch. Um, these people are uh, committing crimes, and um, we no longer have the capacity to hold them accountable for those crimes, and, and that's got to change. Well, I appreciate that. I think that's um, a very thorough overview of, of kind of what's happening, and uh, I really appreciate that. Just as someone who, who doesn't really know that much about Citizens United, I think that was a great overview. Um, I guess to wrap things up and to be respectful of your time, um, I, I always ask uh, voters have a lot of issues on to decide on this election. Um, when they're headed to the poll, they see Prop 59 on the ballot. What is the, the key concept, the key thing you want them to remember? that this is, I think, the most uh, important vote that they will cast in November, because if we do not overturn Citizens United and begin to dismantle what has become uh, an oligarchy um, in in the United States, we will absolutely lose our democracy. Um, This is uh, our uh, clarion call to the nation um, that this can no longer be. Um, And the 28th Amendment is the way to restore uh, the voice of the people um, to our democratic republic. We have to do it. Okay. Um, Anything else you'd like to say to listeners that want to learn more or or get involved? Is there a website that they can go to? Thank you. Thank you, Brian. There certainly is. Um, And we're very responsive to folks. So once you sign up to volunteer, uh, you'll hear from us uh, within a day or so. Um, And you can go to yesonca59.com. That's yesonca59.com. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Upvote California. Um, We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michelle. You bet. Thanks, Brian. I've enjoyed it. As I mentioned earlier, we weren't able to find a guest for the opposing arguments, so I'm going to do my best to give a few arguments from various newspapers that I found. Um, 
I read the Los Angeles Times. They're against Prop 59, and they say, quote, We urged Governor Brown to veto the legislation that put it there because, unlike other propositions placed before the people in this citadel of popular democracy, Proposition 59 has no binding force. Although its proponents claim that it's designed to instruct state legislatures and members of Congress, those officials are entirely free to disregard it. They continue and say, supporters of Prop 59 suggest that such questions could be taken up later when members of Congress, after being instructed by the voters, got down to the hard work of drafting an amendment. But that seems backwards. You don't decide that the Constitution should be amended and then decide what the amendment should say. When it comes to amending the Bill of Rights, the exact words matter. Uh, The Orange County Register had kind of similar arguments. They're also against Prop 59. um, And they say, quote, Proposition 59 is an imprudent mistake and a familiar one at that. Too strong in its ends and too weak in its means. The advisory-only measure would, if passed, merely request that Congress take the excessive and potentially dangerous step of rewriting the First Amendment. The language of Prop 59 raises many more questions than it answers, forcing voters to just guess as to what the First Amendment would look like after legislatures were finished with it. Its guidance is vague and overbroad. It does not offer voters a law to approve, but rather a mere opinion poll. And they continue, Americans' right to freedom of speech runs broad and deep. Damage to one element of that right poses a greater threat to all, especially where free speech intersects with free association. People don't lose their fundamental right to speech just because they have organized themselves into groups with certain terms in the name. Um, I think that encapsulate the main argument against the measure, so I'll kind of conclude there. I want to reiterate that we don't take any stance on Upvote California. We just try to present both sides, and in this case, we weren't able to find a guest to represent the opposing side, so hopefully it was useful at least to hear um, arguments from newspaper editorials. Um, We're getting close to the election. We have a few more episodes planned, so we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Upvote Podcast. Please share this with any friends that you have that have questions about the ballot. Check out our website at upvotecalifornia.com. Thanks again for listening. See you at the polls.